Hello and welcome to the Synergy Autism Podcast. I have a treat for you today. I am so excited. I have um, Kit Falbo on the interview today and he shares with us how he took his love of stories and um, sci-fi and daydreaming even into writing novels that he now self-publishes. He re- he talks a lot about how the the writing of um, the genre that's actually called uh, game lit, which I didn't know about before this interview, um, but that it gives him complete control and creating the rules for the characters he develops and integrating video games into his plots. All of that just inspires him in his writing, which I think a lot of listeners will be able to um, relate to. So... Um, Listen in while he shares how he shifted his anxiety about the pandemic into writing poetry about it, which I really appreciated. He also talks about his neurodiversity and how he juggles that with also being a writer and a parent. I have, I just love how he talks about observing people through static, which he talks about, and he shares what it's like to parent children with autism while also having autism himself as a stay-at-home dad. Oh gosh, we covered so many topics in a short amount of time uh, from the pandemic to school to home life to masking, etc. So really would love for you to listen in and enjoy as much as I did. Take care. So hello, Kit Falbo. I am so happy to have you on the Synergy Autism Podcast today. Um, Kit, on your Amazon author page, you are described as one of the top 10 lit RPG authors, according to some, and fabulous friend, according to others. And I just love that description and would love to know more about who you are and how you came to be this professional writer and fabulous friend. Oh, I'm not really a professional writer. I just, I've made a few people's top 10 lists, but. Uh, okay. You don't consider yourself a professional writer? No, no. That requires you to make enough money to make a, make a, at least a uh, housing payment, I believe. <laughs> there you go. That's true. But you do a lot of writing and I would just love to hear kind of where that, how did that, you know, how did you end up where you are of wanting to do as much writing as you do? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I've done a little bits of writing since, uh, since high school and I took some creative writing classes in college and I've dabbled on and off for a, well, decades. I mean, mm-hmm. 20 years since college. And I finally managed to, a few years ago, complete my first book, you know, and then I, I followed up with another book and short stories. And I'm just trying to uh, kind of squeeze in time. Like uh, either doing short stories or poetry or uh, full-length novels, you know, it's just, I mean, it is a time-consuming, difficult, underpaid uh, hobby. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, a lot of people in high school these days that I talk to are not particularly thrilled with writing. 
So tell me, like, what was inspiring about writing when, you know, even when you were taking the creative writing classes? Um, I mean, I like stories. I'm always big, a big fan of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, spent a lot of time in daydreams and other people's books. And I've always just enjoyed the escapism, you know, because, I mean, part of uh, having the the world and creating it is it's very comforting in that that you have complete control and you are creating the rules and creating a space where people can feel uh, comfortable that it's generally not going to go outside a, a box of uh, expectations too much you know and then i'm fascinated by the uh not less the grammar but more the uh, the nitty-gritty of uh, crafting fiction like the the artistic approach you know well and I think that I read somewhere that you really enjoy like character development is that yes true? yeah can you tell about like where does your inspiration come from for your characters and tell me more about that um character development is a lot about first figuring the situation that they're going into and then figuring out the past and then what they want and desire you kind of then you kind of like take your empathy and you kind of put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. and reaction to the situations and the how they think and the kind of dialogue they use and you kind of just have this character that that you've made and and I usually like to have all of the uh, all of the things people showing up have their own goals and desires and have be their own character, but usually it's always focused on the main character, you know. So, so you have this uh, this person and you're just putting them in situations and having them react or live out the consequences of their own actions, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of what I do with characters, and I, I've never been a fan of the uh, the uh, the heard bird cut out characters you know they don't really have a past you know mm -hmm. so uh so yeah so in your stories you tell about kind of how they got to be where they are and then in the is that what you mean no no the, no they have they have to have a past you know so okay, so you gotcha. have to have things that have happened to them that have produced feelings and actions you don't actually need yeah. to go into it but you do have to portray it in a way so that the reader can see that they have a past, you know? Yeah. And in a, in a, such a, in a timely manner and such a way that it's not a surprise to them, you know? You can't yeah. like get halfway into book and go, oh yeah, my mom died in a car accident. Right, you know? right. You know, no, without like hints of trauma previously, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean. That makes sense. So, um, I'm really curious. So you said, when, when was it that you wrote your first book? I believe it came out in 2019, the, the crafting of chess. And I was wondering if that was your first one. Can you tell us about that book and kind of the inspiration behind it? Um, well, I've been reading the genre for a while, uh, lit RPG, which stands for a literary role-playing game. Uh-huh. Uh, if you watch anime, you think something like Sword Art Online or Log Horizon. If you read Western fiction, you think something kind of like Ready Player One or Dungeons and Dragons kind of mixed mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically the idea of combining video games into the plot. Um, oftentimes, it's 
very similar to kind of like Narnia. So you have portal fantasy where somebody gets transported to a, another world or they get stuck in a video game and the rules are video game paced. So basically the magic system is really this video game system. So, mm. so it's kind of like that. So I've been reading it for a while and I wanted to write something that was low stakes that did not have a lot of violence because a lot of video games are, are pretty violent. Yeah. So I wanted, so I chose to focus on the crafting aspect. My, uh, my, my son played a lot of Minecraft, you know, so, so, so that was popular. Um, my grandfather was a Texas state champion of chess and helped me learn chess. So I, I have that type of character in there. And I wanted him to have a, a very play to win type mindset. So I had him be a, a kind of like a, a chess savant who also played like other games in order to, to, to make a quick buck, you know, and, and give him a whole, whole background that would uh, fit the situation I was putting him in as opposed to uh, something more structured. Like, like how do you make a chess savant kind of like unknown, that type of thing. So, so I kind of built it up that way and climb up the book and uh, eventually uh, completed it. It was kind of written as something that could continue on, but I also wanted it to be possibly standalone, which uh, mm. some people complained to the end because of that. But uh, I, I do have the second book written and uh, I'm working on cleaning it up and I'm going to publish it the end of this November. Oh, so. that's excellent. How do you, I mean, just I'm curious how you organize yourself for your writing. Like, how, how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you set deadlines? Like, how do you keep that going for yourself? Um, pretty badly. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm busy. I'm running a ah. household. I have two autistic kids. I have family responsibilities. And uh, the first book was pretty much written while the kids were in school and I shunt off to the library and get about two hours of writing in before it melted my brain because writing is difficult, you know? Yeah. And then uh, I just work that way. And sometimes I'd squeeze, squeeze it in while I'd take the kids to the library and I'd type on my phone, you know, little bits wherever I can. <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and everything went downhill you know so that's why it has it's been a while since i've uh, released much more than poetry collections because poetry could be done pretty quickly you know i i bought your pandemic poems and then and the other poetry book that you have available and i just love the pandemic poetry book so much it was just so like brought you right to the scenarios that we all kind of had to think through well, you want to tell us a little bit about that? That Yeah, that one was very much in the moment. If you notice, the publication date was really before everything shut down. I think it published in uh, March. I did see it was pretty early on. So so uh, a lot of uh, anxiety around it coming out when we first saw it in China and was watching on the news. Yeah. And, and the U.S. government was doing a terrible job. Uh, my my partner is a nurse and it's like oh my god how is the CDC screwing this up so much you know and yeah. uh, and so there's a lot of uh, anxiety and you could see the 
the shortages as people make events and then other issues globally and just I took took that anxiety and I'm like I'm gonna put all that anxiety in, into these poems and I and I aimed for doing one or two poems a day so I actually wrote the 50 poems of that collection fairly quickly like in a 25 30 days wow. and and then I kind of kind of put that one I'm like put, put that one out there now well I really <laughs> felt like you captured it so well which you know brought me back to the that time of the pandemic too like just yeah I really I don't know if I can say I enjoyed it because but it was well written does that make sense because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know nobody enjoys like feeling that again but it was also a way, great way of capturing it you know well, catharsis it's the same way yes. that uh, people watch uh, horror movies or movies with trauma uh, exactly. as a way of processing their own trauma or ah. like uh, like deriving some level of control because you can see the end and you know that there's an end to it yeah yeah so so what do you most enjoy about writing um most enjoy i mean it's it's the uh the process kind of it's like I like to equate it to doing like a triathlon or a marathon Mm -hmm. in which you're doing it and it really, really sucks. And you know that you're not at times and yet it's very invigorating at times and you know, you're not going to win, but you can complete it and say, Hey, at least I did this, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can feel a little bit of pride. I mean, there'll be those that win every time. There'll be the Stephen Kings and the JK Rowling. So the people like James Patterson who have won five times and like, hey, can I put my name on your on your thing and we can share in the glory and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, but, you know, it's it's just kind of like a, a marathon hobby and uh, I get little bits of stories or poems in my head and I, and I like to put it out. So, and, and I guess I, I'm fascinated by the craft of it, you know, what makes a good scene what makes people interested you know what what it how is plotting work how does how does it relate to pacing and all that you know yeah um and I think that I saw that you do most of your self-publishing on Amazon primarily is that true yeah I do it on Amazon because uh, it's the biggest market um Specifically for lit RPG, people use their Kindle Unlimited services, so you get a lot of your uh, reads and income and attention from that. Mm-hmm. Like different genres might do do better in different formats, but it's mm-hmm. it, 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 it pays authors the best. You know, I mean, I mean there are other services that their royalty rates are a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you you could publish wide, and you then you just get different royalty services from different things, and it becomes something that you kind of have to manage a little bit yeah but uh amazon makes it easy you know i mean they they do get a good big cut themselves but when you're looking at something like uh say traditional publishing in which you have to go through like a two-year-long query process generally you're better if you write to market uh and then your agent takes a cut and then the average pay is like five to ten k which is more money than I made on my books, but you know, you generally don't get past that amount in sales unless you're really lucky. Yeah. And, the, and then the royalty rate is like, like 
single digits. So I mean, so yeah. if you somehow, somehow make it out, you're, you only get a little bit of money at a time. So it's kind of like. I, I self-published my book recently too. And um, it was all of what you're saying, but then also just that, you know, the oftentimes people, the publishers are wanting you to do all of the advertising and everything anyway. These oh, they, yeah. Um, unless you're, you're big, you know, yeah. and, and the catch 22 is always that, that, that the money invested. So if they feel like you're going to be big and they invest a lot of money that, that more likely to lead to success now. Yeah. They have bombs that way. They've, they've thought books were going to be big, paid out huge uh, bonuses to some authors. Um, Ironically, well, not ironically, um, oftentimes those are people that are connected in with the uh, publishing industry already through family and friends. So it's kind of like a almost nepotism aspect to that, you know. So, so then they'll throw money at that, and oftentimes it will lead to books being a success that aren't necessarily the best, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so, just really excited that this option of self-publishing is available to get people like you out there and me. my information out there. So is it all right if we turn to kind of neurodiversity and that part of your life? Is that all right? Yeah. Can you repeat that? It kind of got a little bit garbled there for a second. Oh, sorry. So I want to kind of switch from the writing piece into talking about neurodiversity. Okay. That's okay with you. And I know that you identify as being neurodiverse and I was wondering how, how do you feel that either helps Oh, sorry. How does that either help you or froze a little bit? Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, I, mean, I mean, you could say identify, but I am officially diagnosed. You know, I've had official diagnosis of PPDNOS, Asperger syndrome, autism spectrum since I was 16 or 17. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I mean, a lot of people do identify, you know, and then they don't go through the process, it's especially difficult for, for adults, because when you do it, you're like, am I shooting myself in the foot more than uh, getting mm-hmm. support systems? Because there's, there's not a lot of support systems for adults, you know? Yeah. So that's uh, very true. Not yet. seems like they're getting I, better, but it's not fast enough. Well, it's, and it is a developmental disorder. So the, you will eventually outpace aspects of it in certain degrees, at least in interactions through building scripts and other structures that help support you in functioning for the most part, especially if you're high functioning, you know, but it doesn't mean you won't have uh, meltdowns or over sensory issues, Mm -hmm. but, but no. uh, So um, are you willing to talk about your own experience around shutdowns? Like, do do you experience that? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, they just need to go out to a place. Uh, sometimes they put on music and stem a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I mean, it's different for everybody, but, you know, it's very, very that dramatic uh, scene they show on all of the uh, the TV shows, you know, that mm-hmm. they do the uh, specialized, this is autism. And like, no, it's right. different for individuals. I mean, I mean, most autistic people don't act the stoic way that you see in The Good Doctor. And it's not always the overly awkward actions that you see from uh the uh, what is that netflix show 
Oh, the atypical. The atypical. So, yeah. so, so it's not always like that. So, so I mean, yeah. it can look like I'm, I'm shutting down and my, my vision narrows. You know, kind of like almost like an anxiety attack. And you know, sometimes it is an anxiety attack. You know, because you get overstimulated and then your body goes into that that process. So, well, I do. I talk with a lot of adults on spectrum, and and most do seem to experience what you were just talking about of kind of creating your own scripts and things like that to accommodate for yourself. But that's also called masking, of course, and camouflaging, which then can yeah. be exhausting, which then is leads to that shutdown. So I think that that experience yeah. is pretty common. We don't always see it. And it isn't like you said, it's not like what we see on TV necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And different levels of skills for masking versus, uh, not masking and you know and, and not all scripts are about masking sometimes it's just about setting expectations and uh setting setting boundaries for how you're going to behave and what you're willing to do or not willing to do you know in fact sometimes it's more positive if you if you, if you frame it in the setting boundaries mode and mm -hmm. understanding that than it is the other way i mean People do it different ways and use different language. And sometimes language really does matter to people. You know, part of being a writer is recognizing that how language matters and doesn't matter at the same time, you know? Yeah. Because everybody's interpretation of what the word is means or even the can be different in their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? I mean, that kind of leads me down to just wondering, how do you feel like your neurodiversity helps you or hinders you in your writing? Um, I mean, as I talked about this topic before, I mean, one of the things you do when you're autistic is you pay a lot of attention to what other people do, because like the nonverbal and verbal cues, how they speak, because you have this uh, uh, static between you and other people. It's, the key diagnosis things is both difficulty in displaying your nonverbal cues and verbal cues, as well as receiving and understanding them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so you have to pay a lot of attention. Uh, and that fits in line with the classic writing advice of sit in a coffee shop and pay attention to all the people and all the conversations that they're having. And I'm like, Oh, I've been doing that for years, you know? So <laughs> it both helps with that. Uh, with dialogue and writing nonverbal cues and trying to figure oh. out if, if you can, assuming you can, you can get the craft down of doing it right. It oh. kind of helps you get that experience in that, that, that other writers might begin and then they're writing this dry technical pieces and they have to then take time aside to do this, uh, paying attention to things that came naturally. Oh, yeah. I also, I'm, I'm lingering on, uh, something you said of that, the experience, I'm going to try and reiterate. So kind of the experience of autism is having the static between you and other people. I had mm -hmm. never heard it that way before, but I think about like, I, I just, I really appreciate that way of thinking about it. Hmm. But yeah. It's uh yeah, it's uh, so it's been, been useful with that. And obviously yeah. specialized interests, you know, um, like I said, I'm interested in, in, in the craft of writing. Uh, my grammar is not great, but, you know, it's, I consider that, that different from storytelling. And uh, that's why you hire editors. That's what editors are for, yeah. That's what editors are for. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're expensive, though. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Very true. Um, but, 
So I kind of asked this a little while ago, but I'm still really curious because I have a lot of adults on spectrum who have lots of really good ideas and things, but the motivation piece is so hard. And the, um, I'm just wondering what keeps you motivated and moving along. I know that you said that, you know, having that completion and things like that, but is there anything else that you could say about Mm -hmm. keeping yourself motivated? You have to set aside time and do it. I mean, it's, it's like, like taking out the garbage and doing dishes, you know, everything's going to build up, you know, and life is going to build up and you just have to like set aside time and do it. If you can get yourself on a routine or a schedule that will help. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't really quite been able to do that recently. So I pretty much just go like, try to give myself deadlines. I'm a little bit behind right now. I wanted to get the copy of my, uh, my latest book to the narrator so he could have it before I uh, put it up, you know? Mm. So I'm kind of trying to press myself to do the last little bit of cleanup before I uh, email it to him. Uh-huh. And then, like I said, I, I have a deadline of getting it up on Amazon, like basically Black Friday, day or two after. Oh. Probably won't do Black Friday, but probably like the Saturday or Sunday after, simply because of the fact that people have people do the no shopping day. Yeah, totally. Uh, that yeah, as well. But, yeah. but basically the, the end of November, I wanted to, uh, to, to get the book out because I, I technically finished the draft uh, months ago and I've been like, uh, never poked my beta readers quick enough. And in this last one, I just needed the last bit of cleaned up, you know, and it's not going to be perfect because it, you know, it, it never is. You could go through a hundred times and catch, catch mistakes every time, you know. I didn't realize. So are you making sure that each time you publish a book that you're also having the audio version then? Um, no, I mean, when I did the first book, you know, I actually, I'm not quite into audio books. Uh-huh. And so it actually took months and months and months before me to find my uh, audio book narrator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I understand that it's better, like, uh, financially, if you can get them close together, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, uh, the audiobook narrator, like, like, like he didn't make as much money as he wanted on the first book. So I've, I've committed to putting more money into marketing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know that, that getting the audiobook out sooner. So I know as an overall benefit, if I can get it to him sooner, that, and then I can more coincide the marketing with him. Because mm-hmm. if the delay is long enough, I figure I have to set aside some of the money I have for marketing for the release of the book and some of it for the, for the release of the audiobook. And I'll have to uh, All right. figure out how to do that well. Marketing is a whole nother animal of, uh, oh boy. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned a few minutes ago that, um, you are also a parent of mm-hmm. autistic children. And so I'm just, I'm curious about what kinds of things that you'd love to share or like to share about parenting or something you'd like to share for other autistic individuals, um, kind of yeah. open-ended there. What do you want to share? <laughs> I don't know. It's not easy, you know? Yeah. Especially uh, special needs, you know? I mean, even if I see myself in them, you know, it's still it's not easy, you know? I mean, the services are not great. The, uh, you know, I mean, even with uh, my son in a social communication classroom and a great teacher, you're like, like there's certain things that, that that the teachers find easier than me, you know, it's like it's hard for me to 
motivate my kids to do things because I'm around all the time, you know. So I'm like, hey, can you guys focus on helping them learn to read? And it just they don't have time and they're overwhelmed. And it's just it's just tricky, you know. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's just a tricky, difficult situation, you know, and and just handling it and main reason why I'm a stay-at-home uh, dad is because I'm trying to handle it. And mm-hmm. Things always come up, you know. So teaming with their school teachers is kind of what you're talking about, that it can be tricky? It's all tricky. You know, I mean, everybody, I mean, the pandemic didn't help at all. I and mean, then I was yeah. a big, uh, big uh, out of school. I tried to get an IEP for my daughter. And she was in the online only school and they flat out refused. I got, got the meeting and they're like, well, we haven't seen your daughter enough in person. I'm like, you're not seeing my daughter in person at all, but A, you're an online school. Yeah. B, she refuses to get on Zoom. So the teacher has only seen her twice. And the teacher actually skipped the, the initial IEP meeting. Wow. And, and they're like, no, they're not going to do it no matter what. So it was extremely infuriating. And so we've got the process started now. And they'd actually demanded a medical diagnosis. So we spent time and got the medical diagnosis. And then they refused to use it because they wanted their own system. It was, it was stupid. And uh, so now she's uh, back at in-person school. We'll uh-huh. give her the, the vaccine as soon as we can, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but we're like, they don't see it. I'm like, okay, no, you will. And then one day she had an outburst, you know. And like, now you see it. Because you yeah. know they'll 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 do their own masking, you know, and, and yeah, of and, course, yeah. I mean, she'll comment like like, oh, I was perfectly behaved for Aunt Libby or Grandma or school for the day, and and then then she'll have a meltdown at home. So it's mm-hmm. like other people just don't really see it all the time, and that's one of the difficult things, especially yeah. with girls who are always more socially focused in in, in how they do the autism. And yeah, exactly. That's always frustrated, frustrating, you know, because most of the diagnostic criteria is still focused on boys, uh, mm-hmm. the misapprehension of that. Yeah, it's very true. Um, what is home life like with you um, as, I mean, as a parent too, also with autism, what are some of the like highs and lows? Uh, I mean, the lows is obviously when uh, my kids are having a meltdown and it's causing me to have a, a bit of a meltdown and, oh, yeah. you know, and, and trying to figure out the balance of what they want as a calming action, you know, because you're like, okay, I send them to school, you know, and they work really hard on that. And then they go home and they want to watch videos that calm them or interest them as a special focus interest, you know, and you're like, how appropriate is that? is that versus trying to go and get them to work on more schoolwork mm-hmm. and you know and, and and you know and there's always that that social anxiety of, of taking well right now because of the pandemic it's more difficult to take them out in public of, of will they behave when you take them out in the world and, yeah. and and you'll see things that other parents won't see you'll you'll see them toe the line of what they're able to handle and and other people won't really notice but you'll still be anxious over it it's yeah. always been a been a big thing in the family, you know. They'll take them out, and we're like, "Oh, we have to go now." And they're like, "Oh, why are you going?" Because because they can't see that it's just uh, five minutes away from the meltdown, yeah. you know. Right on that edge. So they're, so they're like, 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 why are you leaving? Or, or, or like, like, big thing was all my family get-togethers began after five, but we all have to leave by six thirty, so we keep them on some semblance of the bedtime routine, you know. Mm. And. Uh, 
so that there's time to kind of deregulate probably at the time that you get to be able yeah. to go to sleep and all of that. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But so so just this uh what are some of the what are some of the highs? What are some of the cool moments? Um the cool moments is uh I mean when they when they do succeed, when they uh when they they are doing well and uh uh, I mean, just just having kids, you know. I mean, I mean just, sometimes it's the same thing with neurotypicals as with uh, yeah. neurodiverse kids. I mean, there's the high moments and the low moments, and sometimes it's no different, you know. I mean, just because you're you're neurodiverse doesn't mean the uh, achievements aren't, aren't necessarily the same, you know. I mean, I wrote a book, even if you're not neurodiverse, you know, that's yeah. something that people can often be proud of. What are the some of the fun things that you guys do together? Your most fun moments are you guys do you dance together do you stem together do you watch gaming do you game together what do you do i do some gaming together do some uh, some dance together um my son is actually a big fan of my book so he'll, he'll have me put on the my audio book and then he'll, ha- he'll ask me questions about my book oh how awesome so, uh, i mean i mean he's not quite reading yet he is a is a plenty of big vocabulary so we're confident that once he gets over that hump he'll be fine uh-huh. but uh but he's a he's a fan of listening to my books and then having questions about it he, he likes that i'm a writer so, so that's nice very cool very cool so um speaking about your books so how can people learn more about you and buy your books and your poetry and i mean the how- easiest way way is to just google my name kit falbo there's only like like one of me out there and my books pop up immediately. And uh-huh. then uh, from Amazon, uh, you can also you can follow me on Twitter. I'm not the, the best tweeter. And I'll, I'll, I'll announce when I have a book or if I got a short story in some kind of magazine or publication. Um, it, that's the thing about, about writing as opposed to other content. You know, it, it takes a long time. So it's not like I have a lot of content to put out every uh, every week or so right. to feed the, uh, feed the content machine. Like, uh, took over a year to write this book took over a year to write the next book you know so you do some blogging though did i see that you do that i've done guest blogs for people and then i'll tweet about it um talking about often craft related things Uh um sometimes about the rpg sometimes about autism or something else but I don't. I don't do any. Uh, I don't do a regular blog or anything like that. I just sometimes do a, a guest post, like I'm like I'm doing this uh, podcast. So sometimes I'll, I'll be on a, a podcast, and uh, but I don't really have uh, time to to do it regularly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think I'm gonna sum up and that just thanking you so much for being on the Synergy Autism podcast, and um, I will make sure that I put some links in the show notes about how to find you, how to, even though I know Kit Balbo is going to be easy yeah. to find on Google, I'll still, I'll have some links for people. Um, and I just really appreciate your willingness to come and share about your life and your work. Okay. Well, it's yeah. good to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Kit. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Synergy Autism Podcast, 
where we bring research, information, and people together to best understand and love those with autism, also known as autistic individuals. Check out my website for lots of additional links, like my Facebook account, Instagram account, blogs that I have written, videos, and even courses that are both free and some that I have labored with some wonderful colleagues um, to produce just for you. And contact me with questions and ideas for future podcasts. I'm here. I'm listening. Till next time.